Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I hit the trap today. I'm gonna hit the claw tonight. Yo, I hit the trap today. I'm gonna hit the claw tonight. Yo. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. This is Wacky Wednesday. Playoff edition. I'm Adam Best. Here, as always, with Sterling Holmes and Richard behind the scenes. Sterling, how are you feeling uh, as we inch closer to the Chiefs postseason debut? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Uh, it was like a Seattle-type feel today. When you look outside, step outside, rainy as shit, dreary. But you know what? does not matter because Kansas City, they have a nice path to the AFC Championship game if they can take on the 9-8 and eight Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm very excited. I'm very much looking forward to this game. Adam, how are you? I'm looking forward to uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars having a Seattle feeling. Ooh, Sending them dog. home, feeling, feeling dreary. Hey, it's the postseason. Uh, Leave it, the it, feelings it, behind. You know, let's <laughs> go to war. The only feeling you guys want to have is the Casey Bierko feeling. Go to Casey Bierko. It's the best beer you will have. Get the Aero Red Lager. Sell it in six packs. They have it on tap. You can get it in a liter. That's what I got it. So freaking good. We appreciate all of y'all's support. It means the world to us. Every time you guys tag them on Twitter, tag us on Twitter, it, it really does mean a lot to us. Casey Bierko, please go get some in dare to beer different uh before we go any further we are going to hit our awards we are going to do all of our fun segments we do have one other thing we want to get to and that's the bet mgm we're passing along this awesome promo for new bet mgm customers bet ten dollars on the chiefs and win 200 in free bets as long as one touchdown is scored regardless of your bet wins or loses Enter code Arrowhead, one word, at sign up. Offer ends this Friday, so make sure you guys get to do it today or tomorrow. And just note, this offer is only valid in Kansas, Illinois, Maryland, and Louisiana. For all other legal betting states, use the same code Arrowhead for a risk-free bet up to $1,000. Uh, using our promo code Arrowhead is a great way to support Arrowhead Addict. We get a small fee from BetMGM for each new better that uses the code. So if you don't yet have a BetMGM account, do us a solid and sign up with code Arrowhead and place that $10 bet. Bear with me just one more time, y'all. I apologize. New customers only 21 plus and present in select states. Rewards issued as an obvious for free bets or site credits. Free bets expire in seven days from, ins- uh, from issuance. See full terms at betmgm.com. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Illinois, Indiana, Maryland, Michigan, 
New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Wyoming, 1-800-522-4700, Colorado, Kansas, 877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY, New York, 1-800-NEXT-STEP, Arizona, 888-789-7777, Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF, Iowa, 1-877-770-STOP, 7867, Louisiana, call text, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789, Tennessee, or 1-888-532-3500, Virginia. I am out of breath for you. If whoever listens to, like, I don't listen to my podcast on normal speed. I'm 1.5, 1.25, 1.75, just depending on the show. And that's just going to be a blur. Yeah, that was micro uh, machine style. That was a lot. That was a lot. We'll get into the awards. I'll let you talk for a little bit because I am winded. I'm winded for you. So let's get into the wild card weekend awards. Of course, the Chiefs did not play last week, but that doesn't mean we're not going to do a couple awards. There are still some positive developments for the kingdom. And the first is the You Choked Award. You choked. It was yours for the taking, and you choked. You were ready, and you choked. Cool Runnings, a, a classic from my childhood. And our first award goes to... The Chargers for chargering. That was an all-time chargering. Los Angeles got up to a 27 to nothing lead in the first half and somehow managed to find a way to lose. They inexplicably let Trevor Lawrence rebound. I mean, I thought this might ruin Trevor Lawrence's career in that first half. And they let him come back out and, and look the best he's ever, he's ever looked. That was the third biggest comeback in playoff history uh, that the Bolts allowed. The biggest since the Chiefs choked job against Andrew Luck. Uh, that was a dark day in Chiefs history. But it's a lot better when we're watching one of our rivals experience it instead of experiencing it ourselves. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it, it was just one of those situations where you go, I'm not turning the TV off because if any team could choke, it's the Chargers. I say it all the time. I'll say it one more time for y'all. They've changed quarterbacks. They've changed head coaches. They've changed cities. They still find a way to choke. They are the Chargers. It's what they do. It's what they do. They didn't even force a turnover. Jacksonville wasn't even forcing a turnover, and they still came back. That is literally almost impossible. Uh, to give up five and not force any. That is a discrepancy that you, you hardly ever see a team win in that situation. And the thing is, it's not like – the Chargers can't run. They have a very good running back all season long. What have they done? Ducked down to Austin Eckler. He had two receptions for eight yards. Give Jacksonville a ton of credit. But Joe Lombardi, Brandon Staley, Justin Herbert to an extent, they pissed their pants. They Joe pissed Lom their Joe Lombardi? Pants. Oh, that was that was a terrible pun. <laughs> even even Matt Connor right now is shaking his head at you. <laughs> That was for Matt Goddard. I mean, someone has to bring the pun energy to the Wednesday show from the Tuesday show. But that's the negative from this game is that Joe Lombardi got fired. I wanted him back for the 2023 season and beyond because he has uh, – the dink and dunk passing attack is not a good fit for the cannon arm of Justin Herbert. Well, Brandon Staley is still there, so we still get to see some questionable decision-making. But let's get into the next award, the Young Man's Game Award. Obsession is a young man's game. The winner is the entire NFL here. This is the first year, check this, that neither Aaron Rodgers nor Tom Brady has won a playoff game since 2009. How refreshing. Every remaining quarterback on the docket is under 30 years old. 
Dak Prescott is the oldest at 29. Mahomes is the elder statesman of the AFC at 27. You care to guess what the average age of the remaining eight quarterbacks are? Oh. 20, 25. Not too far off. 25.8. That's the mm. youngest group in divisional round history. Uh, Roger Goodell, if I'm going to put on that Rob Lowe NFL hat, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> if you're just a general NFL fan, you have to be very happy because just the infusion of new blood into the playoffs uh, really gives the league a different look. And what's so interesting about this is it is very much AFC driven for the most part. Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, NFC side of things. Dak Prescott is your franchise quarterback. Uh, Brock Purdy right now is a fill-in at this moment, right? I would say Brock Purdy is a fill-in. I don't know what they're going to do. This is going to be a very intriguing offseason. They were going to go away from Jimmy G, who took him this far. They were all in on Trey Lance. What do they do with Brock Purdy? That's neither here nor there. Jalen Hurts is the guy from that NFC group where you're like, okay, he might legitimately be a franchise-altering quarterback. I really like Jalen Hurts. Uh, and then Daniel Jones still fits into the almost Dak Prescott, below Dak Prescott even, the what is he? He's the Derek Carr for the next 10 years for, for the Giants. It's going to be, is he our franchise quarterback? They'll have no idea. The AFC. You're not a Vanilla Vic fan? Danny Dimes slinging it around? I like the upside we have seen in a few games. The one thing I want to give credit for is Brian Dable because Brian Dable did what with Josh Allen? Cut down his turnovers. Brian Dable did what with Daniel Jones? Cut Same down thing. his turnovers. Yeah, so uh, this is more of a, of a Brian Dable love situation, less of a Daniel Jones. But Jones has done a very nice job. Obviously, great job against the Vikings. Uh, but the AFC is just ripe with talent. And that Vikings defense is absolute trash. I mean, it was pretty easy for, for Danny Dimes. It was either if they're man, take off and scramble. If they're not in man, carve them up. It was – Dable made it very simple for him. We'll get to this later, but – I think Ken Dorsey is an excellent uh, offensive coordinator for the Bills, but he might not be able to reach Josh Allen the same way Brian Dable can to be that that sort of calming influence in, in Josh Allen's ear that he trusts. Um, yeah, and to counter your point on Dak, you kind of have the Jekyll and the Hyde where you never know what you're going to get from him. But if he plays like he did uh, against Tampa Bay on Monday night, they can make the Super Bowl. So we've got quite a few. We've got quite a few teams left who are legitimate contenders. I would say three of the four teams, in on both sides, are legit Super Bowl contenders. Do you want a smart lock, a 2K cam, and doorbell all in one? Now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes, I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be SOL if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recording is locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch now. Let's be real. I didn't have to use it. 
I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy's on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Let's get into Hot Take Kingdom. One of our favorite, if not the favorite, reoccurring segment we have on this show. Adam comes up with a hot take. I will either join him in the kingdom or I say, no way, that was a bad idea. Horrible take, Adam. I'm not I'm not coming anywhere near you. And you guys in the chat get to decide with a poll, yes or no. Adam, what do you have this week? Before we jump in, I want to give you guys a reminder to please do us a favor and either Hit like on this video if you dig the content or even subscribe to the channel if you're not already a subscriber and consider uh, reviewing this podcast anywhere you find the Arrowhead Attic podcast. That will do us a lot of good. So let's get into this week's Hot Take Kingdom. It is the only thing that can stop the Chiefs from making their third Super Bowl in four years is the Chiefs. Welcome to the kingdom. This is going to be a three-parter, a little bit longer for the postseason. And first up, part one, is Jacksonville. Uh, what's in Jacksonville? Nothing is the answer. The team is irrelevant and their fan base doesn't travel. Let's break this down. So Doug Peterson is legit. He's 5-1 and one in playoff games where his team is the underdog. It's also true that Trevor Lawrence has never lost on a Saturday. Kind of a wild stat. And all that's fine and dandy, but they are graduating to the big time now. Andy Reid, coming off of a bye, is one of the biggest buzzsaws in all of sports. He's 28-6 and six in, the, in, the, in uh, those games. Quite the record. Reid knows Peterson well, and, and vice versa. But with the extra prep time, I expect the master to outduel the apprentice. And Patrick Mahomes has never lost a divisional round game. If you're taking him out, it's always been in the final four. Now things can always change, but we've never seen it to this point. The Jaguars, they have played their Super Bowl two weeks in a row, essentially. Two weeks ago, they, they had a home game for the AFC uh, South division title against a depleted Titans team. That was huge for a team that has kind of been in the basement in that division for some time. And then they had a home wildcard game last week against another flawed team. And they have already overachieved. And I would say they're playing with house money. Do they have enough emotional gas left to pull off a gargantuan upset? Go ahead. I, I, I see the finger. I, I don't like house money. Cause you know why? The house always wins. So I don't want to necessarily say they're playing with house money. What I want to say, and I think you brought up a good point, they've already over, overachieved. Whatever happens now is just gravy. They obviously want to win, but even if they lose by 50, their fans, Doug Peterson, the players will still say this was a successful season. They are a year early in their development, although I would make the case the Giants are too in the NFC. They, they've yeah. done 
what they're supposed to do a year early. Okay. So there's a sense of they can play loose. They can do things you might not typically see from a playoff team. Whereas the chiefs bills might play a little tight. That's just one thing I want to add into the conversation here. And it's something I'm really intrigued about Doug Peterson how aggressive is he going to be? He is pretty aggressive last week on fourth down. So I expect him to stick to his nature and be aggressive. It could go either way. But I think the point you made about their fan base and their team, even if they get blown out by the Chiefs, their season is a success. For the Chiefs and for most of the other teams left that aren't the Giants or the Jaguars, they lose this weekend. Their season is a failure. It's as simple as that. Now, Lawrence is no stranger to big games, but I would say that regardless of what he says about the noise at Arrowhead, and he's delusional, by the way, he said that uh, Jacksonville is just as loud as Arrowhead. Come on. <gasps> okay, but what's he supposed to say? I'm not going to be mad at the dude. He wasn't sitting here shitting on Arrowhead out of nowhere. What's he going to say? It's okay. proven to be the loudest stadium. I get it. But what's he going to say? Players say it all the time. Players say that it's the hardest place to play or it's the loudest place to play. <laughs> Normally when they retire, you're not going to hear him say it after a hard-fought win in Duval that, yeah, our fans are great, but Chiefs fans are better. You're not going to hear that. I I think it's a little overblown, but what I do like, Chiefs fans, they're going to be riled up. They're going to make sure he knows it's louder. I just have no fault with what Lawrence said. He was stuck between a rock and a hard place. What's he going to say? No question? He had an I, answer, and he can't answer truthfully. I get it, but we got to clap back. We got to protect Arrowhead. You know the the 142.2 decibels. It reminds me of the time, uh, quite a ways back, when Chris Webber for the Kings was facing the Lakers dynasty, and they asked him in the locker room. He was just sitting there dejected. Do you think you can really beat these guys? And he got pissed off, and he, and he said, "What do you th- What do you expect me to say? That we can't beat them? Like?" And so I totally get that he has to put the soundbite out there that you expect from your franchise quarterback, but it's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy in Arrowhead. And you can trust that Steve Spagnuolo is going to dial up the heat and try to rattle them, especially after what we all saw in the first half in the wildcard weekend where Trevor Lawrence came out shaky as hell threw four picks. Now a couple of them weren't his fault. Probably I think there's a pass interference and, and maybe a tip. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But but two of them were, were definitely on him, and he did not look sharp. He did not look ready to play. So I think you'll see Spags go for the jugular. Uh, the Jaguars are ranked 30th in pass defense in DVOA. Why is that important? Because now they face the number one offense in dropback EPA by a country mile. It is a mismatch of epic proportions. I think that is uh, stylistically what is going to determine the outcome of this game. And then the other thing that I think will determine the outcome is Chris Jones. The Jags just do not have a game record like him on the defensive side of the ball. And I saw this stat that just kind of blew my mind today. 71% of Chris Jones sacks have ended opponents drives. He is the closer. I expect him to be a closer during the playoffs. Sterling, you've had, you've heard my take on Jacksonville, not being that big of a threat. 
Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I don't think Jacksonville, um, they're a good team. They're a fun team, but they're still, again, a year at least away. Christian Kirk has done a nice job, and I'm excited to see Legereus Sneed go up against him because Christian yeah. Kirk got the better of Legereus Sneed, frankly, the first time around. I'm sure Legereus Sneed is going to have a, something different to say this time. Chris Jones is playing some incredible football, the rest of the D-line as well. It's going to be a tough task for Jacksonville. I don't know how much they'll pressure Trevor Lawrence. Um, I, I think to an extent you're correct where Spags is going to try and confuse him, but also it seemed like he got that out of the way. Trevor Lawrence got the yips, the big stage of the playoffs out of the way in the first half, the first half against the chargers. Right. I, I don't think we'll see that again from Trevor Lawrence. Probably That's not four per- interceptions. That, that is my personal opinion there. But the other thing you mentioned was the chiefs offense against the Jacksonville defense. Travis Kelsey against the worst defense against tight ends. Travis Kelsey is going to have a field day. Jody Fordson potentially back could make a difference in the red zone. Maybe we see some 13 personnel. I just a think little the, Chiefs, Noah Gray. the Chiefs tight ends, in my opinion, are going to decimate this Jacksonville defense. They're a fun story, but that fun story ends this Saturday. Yeah, it's a defense that made Gerald Everett look like a all pro player. Okay. And we've got that established. Now let's move on to part two, which is Buffalo. Upstate New York. If you guys ever get a chance to watch that entire clip, it is Homer Simpson's. um, It's a spinoff on New York, New York. It's called upstate New York. He sings a little musical number. It is hilarious. Our friends from Buffalo probably don't like it very much, but hey, they're our foes right now. So the Buffalo defense let third-string quarterback Skylar Thompson hang with them. And in my opinion, injuries have ended their run as a dominant unit. They just do not look the same as they have in the past when they look like the best defense in the league. And honestly, if if uh, head coach Mike McDaniel knew how to manage the clock – they might be sitting at home right now. They might be on vacation. Also, if Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill showed up in the first half, those two guys looked like their heads weren't in the game. They looked like they thought they had no chance. And they kind of turned it around in the second half and they saw things get closer. But the, the Dolphins really just shot themselves in the foot. And I was I would just – both these games, the Bengals and the, uh, the Bills game, just left me with a sick feeling in my stomach because – one of those two teams definitely should have lost. And now both of them survived. But the biggest issue for the Bills is Josh Allen. He's playing outside of himself and doing dumb shit. I don't know if the AFC divisional game last year, the, the kind of fireworks show, broke his brain, but he's been playing like a souped-up version of Jameis Winston. And that's not good. because he well, le- Who's gone? Yeah, we mentioned it earlier, Brian, Brian Dable. Dable. And I, 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 again, I don't want to take too much away from Ken Dorsey because I think from a play calling standpoint, he is very good. But I don't know that he has, again, Josh Allen's ear the same way Brian Dable did. There may not be as much trust, as much of a rapport. So I don't think that calming, stabilizing influence is there. Allen had an A dot of 16.5 yards against the Dolphins. That's average depth of target. That's more than Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence had combined last week. 
That is an astronomical number. He's playing. I think he's just playing outside of himself, trying to do absolutely everything. And with the talent around him, which I have to say offensively, I think most of most of uh, NFL experts overstated the talent on that Buffalo Bills offense coming into the season. Gabe Davis is a good player. He is not T Higgins. Right. And Isaiah McKenzie is, is, I don't even know if he's McCole Hardman. Dawson Knox is okay. Is he even a top 12 tight end? Uh, Stefan Diggs is the man, obviously top five receiver in the league or so. But I, I think that Josh Allen feels the need to do everything himself and a lot of times that goes to the point where it becomes a fault. Um, he, he had seven big time throws and that's great, but he also had three turnover worthy plays. He had a strip sack that went for a defensive t- uh, touchdown. And the difference here between Mahomes and Josh Allen is that Mahomes gives you the same upside. Now, maybe he's playing within himself a little bit more, so there's not going to be as many explosive plays. But Mahomes this season was bottom five in turnover-worthy play rate. And Allen led the league in turnover-worthy plays. So that definitely could decide the matchup between these two teams. And, and Mahomes, he's from a uh, scrambling EPA standpoint, him and Hertz are almost as good as Josh Allen. They're like the only players in, in the same cluster. So I just don't see anywhere where Josh Allen really has a decided advantage. Unless they just start saying, let's empty our clump on designed runs because we're in the AFC championship. Maybe that happens again. It, it, it kind of happened last year. Um, additionally, and, and this could also be the other deciding factor, Vaughn Miller. I thought Vaughn Miller single-handedly won that last game. He was the difference. They brought him in to beat the Chiefs, beat the Chiefs he did. It was kind of humorous in the offseason when he said he knew how to beat the Chiefs because he had never done it with Patrick Mahomes, but he, 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 you know, he kept his word and did it, but he's not playing this time around because of a knee injury. And the last thing I'll add here is I know the chiefs wanted a cold weather neutral site, but I, I think they match up very well against Buffalo in a dome because offensively they have the better team speed. They have more, uh, more team speed. And a lot of that depends on whether or not we can get McCole Hardman back, but the list of players of offensive weapons the Chiefs have is a pretty staggering um, arsenal. So, Sterling, after hearing my case here on Buffalo, how are you feeling about the way the Chiefs match up with the Bills? If you want me to keep it short, I will say Von Miller. If you want some more insight, let's get into it. Let's get into it. The Bills' defense is not what it once was or what we thought it was going to be going into this year. Now the bills defense is very, very good. I'm not saying the bills don't have a good defense. I'm saying we thought it was going to be, at least I thought it was going to be next level, but they've had a ton of injuries to their safeties to, to, to uh, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. They've had uh Tredavious white come back, but not look like the all pro he looked like before the injury. Now, he had some moments, I would say, against Miami, but nothing consistent. So, Tredavious White's not the same Trey White we've seen in the past. And Von Miller, that's just a massive loss. Now, Matt Milano, he's playing maybe the best football we have seen from Matt Milano his entire NFL career at linebacker. He's playing really, really good. But it's only one guy. It's only one guy. Von Miller was the game changer. With him being gone, that is massive. The Bills' offense – 
Verderam has screamed this all season long, and it's come true. You can't win. Well, they've won, but you can't rely so heavily on one guy to be your entire offense, and that's Josh Allen. I liken it to, in baseball, three true outcomes. The Bills' offense is becoming Adam Dunn. It's just, let's try and hit a home run. If not, it's an interception, and that's it. That's all I got. That's what their offense is. You saw it. They hit Stephon Diggs deep. They hit Gabe Davis deep, and they tried another one. And what happened? It got picked off by Xavier Howard. It was the same thing the week before. They had that, they had a bomb to Smokey Brown and a bomb to Diggs, and, and otherwise it was just Josh Allen mostly refusing to check down or take what was there. And that's the issue with the Bills right now is they were becoming so one-dimensional. And they've got a good thing with James Cook. They do, but they're still not using him enough. They're not keeping defenses honest. Some say probably the way the Chiefs don't keep defenses honest enough with Isaiah Pacheco. And what I will point out, the game against the Dolphins, I know Chiefs fans are out here saying they don't look good, they don't look good. How often have we seen that exact same scenario play out for Kansas City this year? The Denver games, a lot of other games, the Chiefs win the Texans game, the Chiefs would win, but they would lose the turnover margin. They would win playing really good football outside of a couple horrendous plays. That's what the Bills did. They played really good football outside of a couple horrendous plays. That's the Chiefs normal. I like the Chiefs straight up. I think the Chiefs' weapons overall are better than the Bills. I'm with you with Gabe Davis. He's a great wide receiver three, a back-end wide receiver two. He's a slightly better MVS. You look at the numbers, they're not crazy far off. No. I think the loss of Von Miller was the the difference in this game. I like the Chiefs. I think the difference between the Chiefs kind of just surviving some of these inferior teams is in the playoffs last year, when they got the Steelers, they wiped them off the face of the earth. They don't mess around in the playoffs with inferior teams. Uh, They were blowing the Cleveland Browns out before Mahomes got hurt. I think the Chiefs, if they had to take on the Dolphins last week, they would have taken care of business. And in my opinion, the Buffalo Bills might be experiencing what the Chiefs did early in 2021, those kind of growing pains as the league adjusted and kind of crowdsourced a way to stop what they were doing. And Josh Allen is, is kind of resistant in the same way Mahomes was a little resistant. He doesn't, he doesn't want to play boring. He doesn't want to just take what's there. He's, he's big game hunting and it's going to take him a while to change that. I don't know that he can do that in season. It may be an off season thing that he has to correct. So let's, Okay. One last thing with the Bills. Yeah. I said it I said it with the Chiefs against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Bills have this as well. The Bills were picked by almost everyone in the national media to win the Super Bowl this year. Hell, I know I picked them to win the Super Bowl this year. I thought the Bills were the best overall team, but again, the loss of Von Miller to Davis White, we now have more information. I like the Chiefs. But the point is, if they don't win the Super Bowl, that feels like a lost season for them they might play extremely tight. They have to at least make it to the Super Bowl. The Bengals have at least made it to the Super Bowl. The Bills, as much as Tony Romo likes to call them the champ and Michael Jordan and Mr. January, well, maybe because he doesn't play in February, they have to at least get there. They have not. There's a lot of pressure on the Bills. 
that's something I want to point out. I would argue more pressure than the Chiefs have on them because the Chiefs, Easy. there was no, we're going all in right now. We have a one or two year window. The Chiefs feel like they have a 10 year window. There's a lot more, and they've already won one and they've been to another Super Bowl. So there's a lot more pressure on the Bills. I agree. Let's finish up with part three Cincinnati. You're good, kid. But as long as I'm around, you're second best. You might as well learn to live with it. That is a quote from the movie, The Cincinnati Kid, appropriately. And that sums up my thoughts on Cincinnati's new, uh, new kid, Joe Burrow. Bengals fans are going to hate me. And if there are some of you out there, we appreciate you watching. Uh, we thank you for being here. But part of their team having the Chiefs number is luck. This is an even matchup. It's an even matchup. All three losses were decided by three points, just a field goal. One game count came down to essentially the final play with some dubious officiating, and the other went to OT. So very, very close. Any of those games could have gone the other way. I don't think it's fair to say that the Bengals have the Chiefs figured out and that this is just the worst matchup possible for Kansas City that they'll never overcome. I don't see it like that. They have an edge right now. Mentally, I think they have the edge. Uh, and, and they've been the better team, slightly. But I think it's pretty close. I think it's very close. I think the difference is the, the Bengals' offensive line is a disaster. The Bengals' offensive line looks like the Chiefs' offensive line in the Super Bowl. And let me remind you all, we didn't hear any sympathy around the NFL when the Chiefs were rolling out that O-line. The Bengals get no sympathy from me. They should get no sympathy from anyone in Chiefs' kingdom. You know what we were told to do? Next man up. So Bengals, next man up. Jonah Williams, their tackle, he's week to week. Without Jonah Williams, we saw what that game looked like. Without one of their best guards, we saw what that O-line looked like. They were already right. not elite. They're no longer even good. They are bad. I think the Bills, by the way, will take care of business because the Bengals were playing the best football in the NFL, in my opinion, up to this point. That offensive line is a major, major issue. The one thing I will say for Joe Burrow on that offense, they have a lot of guys that can win man coverage, zone coverage, beat their guys early. Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Hayden Hurst is solid, and Joe Mixon. They're not afraid right. to run the ball, and Joe Burrow gets the ball out quick. That's the one factor that helps them. But that offensive line is bad. That's the difference. That's going to be the difference no matter who they play. I can't get past that O-line just like everyone gets past them on the defensive side of the ball. There you go. That was going to be one of my major points here is that Jonah Williams and Lael Collins, the starting tackles, they're gone due to injury. And so is starting guard, Alex Kappa. And these aren't injuries that happened 10 weeks ago. These are all recent injuries. So this unit, this offensive line unit, hasn't had um, time to, to kind of gel and figure itself out. It is very much in the same situation that the Chiefs were in when Eric Fisher went down in the Super Bowl. And Jackson Carmen, let me tell you about Jackson Carmen. He is a huge liability, the second-year player out of Clemson. He makes Andrew Wiley look like Orlando Pace. He is maybe one of the worst starting tackles in the entire league at this point. This is an extremely exploitable matchup. And last time this defensive line matched up against the offensive line of the Bengals, Joe Cullen wasn't the defensive line coach. Chris Jones was having a bit of a down year. 
that started with him playing out of position at defensive end. He was on the edge for what the first month and a half of the season. He was also injured. He was dealing with, with a, a plethora of injuries. And I just don't think Chris Jones looked like the player he is right now last year. The other thing is there was no George Karloftis. There was no Carlos Dunlap, a player that knows the Bengals quite well. This is going to be a different matchup, and I expect the Chiefs to get home this time around. The other matchup that's different is the Chiefs' secondary last year was extremely slow and, and bad at, at limiting explosive plays. This year, they're young, relatively inexperienced, a new unit outside of Juan Thornhill and, and LeJerry Sneed, but they are fast, and they don't let, let players get over the top of them a lot. They were one of the better units in not allowing explosive plays. I don't expect Jamar Chase and T. Higgins to, to drop 75, 60-yard bombs on the Chiefs. We lost Sterling for a second. Oh, there you are. Um, so team speed uh, in, the, in the secondary for the Chiefs. And then lastly, I just believe in Patrick Mahomes. He's a competitive prick. It has to be eating him alive that this team, and specifically Joe Burrow, has beaten him three times in a row. And it's not really fair in a, a sport that's as much of a team sport as the NFL is to say Joe Burrow has beaten Patrick Mahomes because Joe Burrow's played with a much better defense than Mahomes has. But that's not the narrative. The narrative is that Joe Burrow has Patrick Mahomes' number, and that, that just has to be eating him alive. So Sterling... What's your take on the vibes out of Cincinnati right now? You're muted, buddy. I mentioned earlier, thank you. I'm going to say it again. Sorry, my dog was uh, being a little competitive prick in his own right, right? Doing the, the whole Mahomes thing there. Uh, the, the, chief, the, the Chiefs defensive line has improved so much as this season's gone on. The Bengals offensive line, as we mentioned, I, I just think this is going to be the game. That there's going to be one in the trenches. The Chiefs have done a phenomenal job defensively as well as offensively. The offensive line for Kansas City has improved so much. I know we don't like to talk about it a lot because of Orlando Brown Jr. and the contract situation. I know Andrew Wiley is not the the lovable guy that he was when he was filling in now that he's a full-time starter. But they've all done a nice job. I think some of it comes from Blake Bell getting healthy. I don't, don't know. I, haven't, I need to look more at the film. But just having the presence of a block first tight end in there, helping with the chips, helping just McKinnon with, the, too, with right? the tackles, with McKinnon, I think that really, really helps. Um, this game's going to be won and lost in the trenches. That's how it is in the playoffs. I think we're going to see that, and the Chiefs will win in the trenches. I like Kansas City right now over the Bengals. So essentially the case for today's hot take kingdom is that the Jags aren't ready. And the Bills and Bengals are sort of falling apart at the worst possible time as the Chiefs are coming off a bye. We know Andy Reid's great off a bye. We know the Chiefs are as healthy as they've been in a long time. And they looked great the last time we saw them. Everything seems to be lining up for the Chiefs in a way where I think it's going to be a self-inflicted wound that keeps Kansas City from the Super Bowl if they don't make it. Would you agree? Are you coming in? Should we lower the castle gates or are you staying out? Yeah, I'll go in with you. I'll, I'll join you in there. I also want to point out, before we go any further, mm -hmm. I, I know we're going to touch on McCall Hardman a little bit later in the show. 
Yeah. There's one thing I want to say, since we've talked so much about injuries to other teams, zero complaining if Hardman does not play. There is zero complaining from Chiefs fans if Hardman does not play. I don't want to hear it. I don't. Hardman is a fine weapon, a fine player. I feel for him. He's not essential in my mind to what the Chiefs do, whether they win or whether they lose. Von Miller, he's essential. The tackles for Cincinnati and their guard, essential. That's all I'm going to say. The Chiefs yeah. are relatively healthy, and uh, I'm enjoying it, frankly. I'm enjoying the the good health, knock on wood, from the Kansas City Chiefs. I might debate this if it weren't for the Kadarius-Tony trade. The Kadarius-Tony trade gives us a one-for-one McCole Hardman uh, replacement, so I am not that worried about it. Of course, I would like to have him. He would be another luxury for an offense with a lot of tools, but you're right he is not going to decide the outcome of this postseason. Before we get into the next segment, one last time, if you guys want to help us out, bet MGM, go there, use code arrowhead for a risk-free bet. Uh, it does help us out a lot. So I, if you want to know more, you can rewind this, listen to it and watch me go through my, my spiel of every single state and the liability, but that would help us out if you guys go to it, but let's get into the next segment. Top five playoff heroes and zeros. So what we're going to do here in this new segment is together, Sterling and I will select the five chiefs. We think will step forward as sort of unlikely playoff heroes or unheralded playoff heroes. And then the five chiefs who are most likely to perform poorly and hurt the team. There's only one rule and that's no Mahomes, Kelsey or Jones. They cannot be selected as part. If we want to put them into zeros, and be controversial there. We can totally do that, but they're too easy for the heroes. We have to think a little bit more outside the box. So let's start with the heroes. Who are the five guys that we think are going to uh, help this team win another Super Bowl potentially? Am I a hero? I really can't say, but yes. <laughs> it, it's totally the pause that makes it. You mentioned Orlando Brown and him protecting Patrick Mahomes and, and giving him the chance to thrive. He's so good at not taking sacks that when our left tackle completely, completely blows his assignment, it really sets us back. What's your take on potentially throwing Orlando Brown in here? I'm or is he more of a zero? I'm intrigued by Orlando Brown Jr. for how good he has been recently. I will put him as a hero. I know this is not going to be pretty for a lot of fans, but Orlando Brown Jr. has done a very nice job, especially since that Cincinnati game. I will also point out who was missing in that Cincinnati game. Joe, Joe Tooney. Tooney. I think Orlando Brown Jr. has a very nice, very nice playoff run and builds off what he's done to end this season. So he will be a hero for me. Do you agree? I do agree. And I, and I also want to say that we can make him a zero too. A guy can be, you know, heads or tails in this situation. And Orlando Brown might be that player that could go either way. And our, our fate could hinge on, on that outcome. I'm also going to go with LeJarius Sneed. I think his ability is so essential 
to a secondary that is young at the cornerback position that maybe not be as talented as we wish it would be at the safety position. So I'm going to go with Legereus Sneed. He's so versatile. He can almost play like a linebacker. He can shadow guys like DK Metcalf. He's a phenomenal blitzer, one of the best in the league. Spags is going to use him to disguise what he's doing. And I also think his leadership will be a boon to that unit. Do you agree on Legereus Sneed? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I think he's going to have a great game against the Jags. I think we'll see a lot of him one-on-one against Christian Kirk. I am a big fan of Legereus Sneed traveling. I think he did a nice job against DK Metcalf. I know some fans were uh, complained a little bit about his performance against DK Metcalf. I think he did a nice job. DK Metcalf is who he is. He made Chavarius Ward, who's had an amazing season, look like a fool multiple times. Legereus Sneed is very, very good. I like him traveling. So, yes, I'll, I'll consider Legereus Sneed a hero in the playoffs. Yeah, it's unrealistic to expect a corner going one-on-one shadowing DK Metcalf to give him a donut. That's just not going to happen. He's going to get his. A player like that is going to get his. And it, I wonder if what Spags is going to do is kind of reserve that, not for your Christian Kirks, but for your your bigger receivers like T. Higgins and Metcalf and A.J. Brown, Maybe that's the matchup. We we shall see. Who are you thinking for number three? Let's think really outside the box here. I'm going to go Justin Reed. Okay. Justin, Justin Reed has had a nice end to the season for Kansas City. He had a very rough patch. I was very hard on Justin Reed because he is relatively expensive for a safety, and I did not think Kansas City should be spending the money on a – position that in my opinion you can find a guy for a lot less i don't think that it's not a cornerback it's not an edge rusher it's not a quarterback or a stud wide receiver safety in my opinion is not the most valuable position but justin reed has really come on he's not missing a ton of tackles i think he'll be very impactful especially this first game against jacksonville if spagnolo does what we think he might do which is try and confuse trevor lawrence right yeah what did he use justin reed for he, he sent him on blitz he put justin reed everywhere I think we'll see Justin Reed have a major impact in the playoffs. And if he doesn't, that will probably be a major complaint among the kingdom in the offseason because if you think back, the Chiefs chose to let Charverius Ward go, who plays cornerback, a premium position. He's been great for the 49ers. It's been excellent, one of the better corners in the league. He did get burned on, on, on Sunday, but against DK Metcalf, as we pointed out, that could happen to anybody. And it seems like Spag's values the safety position more than a lot of the league does. And maybe that's part of what's behind Justin Reed. Angry Drucken German points this out. Reed is a smart player, Stanford kid. He got a good head on his shoulders. I would expect him to be even better the second time around against Jacksonville. Uh, he seems like an intuitive guy and his play will be vital, especially with Juan Thornhill being pretty shaky throughout most of the year, even though he did look pretty good. The last time we saw him. Yeah. Uh, I'll go with Jared McKinnon as number four. I think Jared McKinnon is going to continue from the rest of this season, as well as last year's playoffs. He'll probably get more carries as well, just based on no holding back. Now I do think there's to an extent all season long, there is a little bit of a, he's not a bell cow when he was the guy he's gotten injured, but the playoffs there, there could be no next week. You unleash him. So Jared McKinnon, I think will get a lot more, touches a lot more carries, not just out of the backfield, not as far as as a receiving back, but also out of the backfield. Um, I'm all in on Jared McKinnon, baby. All in. 
the Chiefs put him on layaway to the holidays. You know, that that save a few bucks by doing that. Uh, I, I totally agree. He has been electric as a receiver out of the backfield. Really looked like the best receiving back in football, along with probably McCaffrey and Eckler these past six weeks or so. And that's just an insane thing to say, but it's true. It's true. And, you know, he's a 30-year-old journeyman, but that doesn't tell the whole story. This is a guy whose athletic profile is absolutely off the charts, and he just never he never stayed healthy long enough to find himself a home. And I think in a place like San Francisco, where they chew up running backs and spit them out, that was never a good fit for him. And Andy Reid knows that he has to, much in the same way he did with Jamal Charles, he has to limit his touches so that he can keep uh, such a dynamic player upright. Oh, man, number five. I think we know what we're going to get from Juju Smith-Schuster. He is a, a zone beater. He's a, he's a tough guy. I know he's probably got a bone to pick with Andre Sisco this weekend. I don't know if you remember this play, but Vontez Perfect for the Bengals, one of the dirtiest players in NFL history, along with guys like Conrad Dobler from way back in the day, um, lit up Antonio Brown. I mean, that's an interesting name this week, if you, if you saw the news. Uh, we won't get any more in, into that anymore, but um, yeah, he was never the same in my opinion after that hit. But but Juju, it looked like kind of a, a planned crack block on on Vontez Perfect, and he just completely plowed him, knocked him on his ass. I would like to see Juju get the chance to do that to Andre Cisco. No, no dirty, no dirty play, no no headshots or anything. But but send a message to the guy that it's not okay to head hunt. Um, but we know what we're going to get from Juju. We know what we're going to get from MVS. Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony is the ultimate X factor for these playoffs. He's the guy that we've seen look like the best skill player on the field. And in other weeks, he barely touches the ball. Which Kadarius Tony are we going to get? Does Andy Reid trust him enough to give him a heavy complement of snaps? How are you feeling about Kadarius Tony being number five on this list? Yeah, they'll, they'll unleash Kadarius Tony for the playoffs. They're again the same thing with Jarrett McKinnon to an extent. Injuries are, are, are a big reason why he was not getting more snaps. No reason to hold back now. Uh, they'll use him running the football a little bit. They'll use him as a Debo Samuel light because he's a lot smaller than Debo. Debo is a huge guy. I mean, he is a sturdy guy. Kadarius yeah. Tony's not that sturdy. Um, but Especially they'll use, the hamstrings. Yeah, they'll use Kadarius Tony a lot more. They'll they'll scheme him open. He has maybe the best connection deep with Mahomes. I mean, seriously, MVS has been off a lot. Justin Watson has been off a lot. McCole Hardman had been off a lot. Kadarius Tony is one of the few guys that actually goes up, tracks the ball, and comes down with it. We've seen that multiple times. I'm a massive Kadarius Tony fan. Uh, he'll be used all over the field, so I'm with you. I'll, I'll go Kadarius Tony five with you. What's so interesting about that, about him being a contested catch guy and a ball winner, is he played quarterback. He was kind of a late convert to uh, the wide receiver position. And coming out of out of uh, Florida, he was billed more as a gadget guy, more kind of like McCall Hardman, but he is showing the goods to be a complete receiver. Uh, let's move on to the zeros. It's time for the zeros. Over the line! Huh? I'm sorry, Smokey. You were over the line. That's a foul. Bullshit. Mark at eight, dude. Uh, excuse me. Mark at zero. Next frame. 
Oh, what a great line. Yeah, I love we, that movie, Big Lebowski. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. You're just an asshole. <laughs> you want a toe? I, I can get you a toe. <laughs> let's just talk Big Lebowski. Yeah, man. let's really we, tie the room together, man. Oh, overtime. Yeah, let's. We could do an hour on Big Lebowski. <laughs> so zeros. Let's just go with Orlando Brown Jr. here too, to show that for the first half of the season, maybe even longer than that. At times, especially against great pass rushers, he was a liability. And then these past, for the most part, six weeks, he's looked really good. If we get the latter, the Chiefs are golden. If we get the former, they might be in trouble. Yeah, I I do think we're going to see the better half of Orlando Brown Jr. I think part of the poor performance could have been the holdout. I think money was on his mind more than football. I think there was a little bit to that. I think there's a reason why we're seeing him progress as the season has gone on. Uh, my number two, I'm going to go with Carl Sheffers. If he gets anywhere near Kansas City, I will uh, be angry. I will be irate. He will have earned my ire. It will irk me. I'll be livid. Yeah. 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 I've, Carl, I've Carl blown Sheffers, my top. there's a zero for you. The kingdom has a lot of energy on this. I mean, we all collectively rejoiced when we saw that it was, uh, I guess, Ed Hockley's son and not Carl Cheffers calling this game. Why the hell is he even still around? I I, I hope he doesn't get the AFC or NFC champ, uh, conference championship after what we've seen. Just ridiculous. Let, let, let me say this. Part of me almost wants it just for the wildness factor because – I almost think he would be so scared of calling a penalty against the Chiefs. We'll have another situation like the second half of that game where nothing's called, where it's there is no foul on the play. Like that could happen a whole game. He knows what's at stake. The NFL won't let him do it. He's doing the Bills Bengals game this weekend. That should be fun. But yeah, Carl Sheffers, he, he's definitely my zero. Juan Thornhill. Let's go with Juan Thornhill. He looked really good that last game, week 18 against the Raiders. If we get that guy, the Chiefs defense is an entirely different unit, is a competitive unit. I think he's he can be a difference maker. He's a great athlete, not a dumb guy. He just seems so sporadic with his play. So I'm going on Thornhill at number three. I will do Dave Tobe. I know, I know it's not a player, but I think Dave Tobe, is that fair? Am I allowed to hey, do Dave Hey, we're Tobe? making the rules as we go, baby. It's totally fair. If, fuck, I did, I did a referee. So that if I do that, i A referee I'm, and a coach. <laughs> Dave Tobe. And the reason why is he's been so good throughout his tenure in Kansas City. I had the, the list of EPA and DVOA. Um, I looked this up a, a few days ago. And this year and only one other year in his time in Kansas City has he not been top 10. This year has been bad. It's not as bad as a lot of Chiefs fans may think. I think he was 19th. So think of that. There's, what, 13 other teams worse than the Chiefs on special teams? I wonder teams. what that would look like if you stripped out punting, though. Sure. I think I, I also made the point where I think Tommy Townsend might help that out because he's been so good. He has been the number one punter uh, in, e, in EPA, DVOA, as well as PFF. Tommy Townsend needs some more love. But special teams have been an issue all season long for Kansas City. Butker, that week off, 
Hopefully the back's healthy. Hopefully another week for his ankle. Hopefully he's 100%. Uh, as far as catching the rock, don't fumble. Sky Moore, whoever's back there, I'm assuming it's going to be Kadarius Tony. But okay, even if it's Tony. It's be Sky Moore in the playoffs. If, if it's I Tony, think, Tony fumbled too. I know, there's a better, I know there's a better chance of me being back there than Sky Moore. You make a great point, though. We have seen this numerous times, not just from Tony, not just Sky Moore. We saw Tyreek Hill. McCole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson, all muff punts inside the 10-yard line. Um, I I was going to go with Harrison Butker, but I like that you're putting all this under the Dave Tobe umbrella, the punt returning issues, and the kicking issues. I think our coverage units are fine. Yeah, I'd agree. But usually things don't go wrong in coverage. Things go wrong in coverage, you get a penalty, right? Things go wrong with the kick game. You know, put points on the board, they go wrong and, and with the punt return unit, and that's one less possession for Patrick Mahomes. That is something that we desperately cannot afford. Who number five. This is tough. I'm going to go with George Karloftis. He's had a sack in what? Six of seven games? You're, 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 the gladiator thumbs down. Man, I, I can't get there with it with a rookie edge guy. I, I can't do that. Okay. Who else are we going with? My point there was this is the most games he's ever played. He's playing against, well, maybe not with the Bengals, uh, but can he keep it up? We're now 18 games into a season. Is he going to hit that rookie wall? Throw an alternative at me. Let's keep spitballing this. I don't want to do a player, man. I don't want to be the ass that that calls a dude out. Uh, I think the guys will it's play speculative. great. It's speculative. We're, we're not saying for sure. We're saying it could go wrong. It could go wrong. I, I would say whoever's the third cornerback for the Chiefs, whether that's uh, Jalen Watson uh, or um, Joshua Williams. That's the guy I'd be a little nervous about. I, I they've struggled as the season's gone on. They both got out to heart to hot starts relatively. Um, I, I think that that'd be the spot that I'd be most nervous about costing Kansas City is that third cornerback spot. I think they're both going to turn into fine NFL contributors. I have high hopes for Joshua Williams personally. I love his size. Uh, part of what he does reminds me of Chavarius Ward, but. Rookie cornerbacks who don't have a lot of experience with JW initials with JW initials. That would be my main concern being an issue in the playoffs. Let me double back to George Karloft is here just to make sure we're making the right call. I think my gut instinct to go with him was because when Chris Jones is getting doubled last year in the heart of the playoffs, Nobody else in that defensive line could step up. We saw a few minor moments from Melvin Ingram, but just nobody could help Chris Jones at all. And if we can just give him a little bit of help, and maybe he should have been a hero. Maybe we should have put him on the other side, but I, I guess I will go with the two young rookie uh, corners, not named McDuffie. Let's get into the next segment. Casey stock market pump or dump. So sacks can be misleading and are, to some extent, counting stats. 
Chris Jones has never had a playoff sack. That will change this postseason. Pump or dump? Pump. Yeah, he'll he'll be a game wrecker. He'll get it be a game changer. He'll have multiple. If the question should be 1.5, 2.5, I'm ripping it the over. Chris Jones will get multiple sacks this postseason. Yeah, something has changed. Something has definitely changed. I don't know if it's Joe Cullen or the physical condition he's in or the talent around him or D, all of the above, but I'm a huge pump on this. I think he is going to put on his most dominant display we've ever seen in the postseason. Not much more to say there. Yeah. Uh, next one, McCole Hartman really must be hurting to still be sitting out during a contract year. He will miss the entire postseason pump or dump. Unfortunately, I'm a pump. Those core issues are are notoriously tricky. And on one hand, you're like, he's playing for a contract. On the other hand, you have to think about this like the Lamar Jackson situation. He's playing for a contract. If he does permanent damage to himself, nobody's going to want to sign him. So I just don't see him getting out there. Maybe... He makes it back. The Super Bowl is a pretty, a pretty long ways away because of that two weeks. So maybe, but how much good is a guy going to do coming back to the Super Bowl his first game? We even saw Terrell Owens, if you remember that back in the day, he was sleeping in the hyperbaric chamber or whatever the hell he was doing after that broken leg. And he came back and, and didn't look like himself. If I were McCall Hardman's agent, I would probably say, if you're not right, you're not right. Yeah. I, yeah, I would also um, pump this one. I think he misses the whole postseason. Uh, I think most of it is injury related. I don't think it's as much to do with the contract. I think there was seriously something injured with McCall Hardman. Uh, it started off as an abdomen illness. Then it turned into a groin, which turned into a pelvic. We don't really know the full extent of this. We're trying to get answers. We're not getting answers. You know how, how tight-lipped the Chiefs organization can be. Uh, I know originally they thought it was going to be a two, maybe three-week injury. They didn't even know if they were going to put him on the IR. Uh, it seemed like more of a, uh, of a precautionary type of situation, but something is not right. Obviously, McColl, obviously the Chiefs, this is more intense than originally thought. Playing devil's advocate, they did, they did activate him. And it sure. sounds like there was a setback, but there were some expectations that he would – you know, that roster spot heading into the playoffs is valuable. So there must have been a little bit of optimism at some point. Now, has that changed? Possibly. Let's move on to the third Casey stock market item, and that is Trent McDuffie has really only played half of the season. He'll take a step forward in the playoffs and continue his impressive development arc. Pump or dump? Okay. Because of the way it's worded, I will say dump. Just because of the way it's worded. Are you pl- are you playing I, I don't, uh, semantics, I, please, with me? Yeah, Peter? I don't think he gets better in the playoffs. I think he stays as he is. I, I, he's going to have tougher competition. You're going to go up against uh, top-end guys, top-end quarterbacks. Uh, he's been really, really good, and I think he continues to be really, really good. But I don't, I don't expect him to all of a sudden turn into a lockdown guy. I don't expect him to turn into uh, prime Jalen Ramsey. That's not what I'm, I'm seeing in the playoffs. I think he'll do a great job or a really good job, but he's not going to be elite. That's all I'm saying. Okay, you're saying he's not going to be Sauce Gardner. Not Sauce Gardner. Not James that... Bradbury. Okay, uh, he'll be, he'll be really good, which is what he's been. Is really good. 
but he's not going to be um, all pro. He's not taking that next step. That's the way I'm seeing this. The thinking here is that he has not had that many reps compared to other players. So a lot of times, sometimes players do hit the rookie wall. Other times they start to pick up the, the nuance of the game and get a better feel for things. I'm going to do a light pump. I think he, he's showing signs of, of figuring this out more and more each week. And I think he'll continue to gradually elevate his play as time goes on. And that won't be any different this postseason. Final pump or dump. Cowboys kicker Brett Maher missing four extra points in a row. Strangely took some pressure off of Harrison Butker. Pump or dump? What the hell? I'm pumping. You know, if you're Harrison Butker, you're going out there saying, I can't embarrass myself any more than Brett Maher did. Uh, And what I want to know here is kind of a side tangent is what the hell was Mike McCarthy doing? still kicking after he botched two kicks. I, I don't understand. Why would you continue to roll with that guy? I almost liked what Mike McCarthy did. They're sticking with him. They're sticking with Brett Maher for the, for the rest of the playoffs. He had been really good for the Cowboys all season long. He obviously was in his dome. How do you get out of your dome? You go out there and kick. He wasn't in his dome. They were in Tampa Bay. Come on now. That was not your Adam Best joke. The the best point the point here is so bad, so bad. I like Mike McCarthy going back, knowing that they were going to win the game either way. Realistically, the Buccaneers were not moving the ball at all. Let him get his confidence back, or at least as much back as he can. Because if he just sits on the sideline, he's done. You think that first game in the NFC, uh, the next round, you think all of a sudden he's going to be good to go if he doesn't make a kick? No chance. It's a Chuck Knobloch situation. Rick and Keel. Okay. He needed to kick through it. He kicked through it. I'll give you a slight pump because, yes, I'm with you. It takes a little pressure off of Harrison Bucker. But at the same time, that's not our guy. That's not our kicker. Bucker needs to make his. Bucker will make his. I think the bye week helped him get healthy. I'm still staying by it. I think that was the main reason for Bucker's misses this year. It's the injury. I'm hoping He's good to go. I don't know if I'm with your galaxy brain take there. If you really want to salvage the guy's confidence, why are you just, just stop it. Just stop the no, madness. Let him send make him, one. No, send him to therapy. That, that In week. a week? You, In you, a week? Hey, you, but, oh. but he went out there and missed two times. How much lower did his confidence get with each? You missed two extra points in a game you're probably not a national story. You miss four in a row. That's unprecedented. Everyone's talking about you. You are a national punchline. I just think they could have kind of mitigated uh, what was happening and done a little bit of damage control. They were going to win. Just, just have, just, Hey, use it as an opportunity to practice your two point conversion or something. They were so far up. I just don't understand why they kept trotting him back out there, but obviously we don't see eye to eye here. Uh, I'm a light pump. I think anybody, the kicker position, there's a lot of heat. And I think knowing that, well, I can't fuck up as much as this guy did. Uh, take a little solace in that. (laughs) Let's get into, that's always a way to think about it, guys. I can't fuck up as much as that guy. I'm good. 
Yeah, that's always the, the podcast the version of that. Like, send yeah. us the podcast version of that to take some pressure off our shoulders. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, let's get into the analytics addict. Adam, what do you have for us? Just a few quick stats to showcase the Chiefs' offensive dominance during the regular season. So Kansas City had more first down conversions on first or second down than any other team. That means converting prior to third down, and that was by far. They had 277. Care to guess where the next team was at? Mm. It was Minnesota. I'll tell you the team. Wait. Oh, who they played against? No, 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 no. So the Chiefs had torn 77 first down conversions on first or second down. Sure. And that was more than any other team by far. Who was second? Minnesota. Yeah. With how many? Yeah. Oh, I was like, I was trying. Um, well, I'll go 243. What? It's 244. You really are. You really are a galaxy brain. Look at you over there. Uh, but that gap from one to two is the same size roughly as the gap from two to 18. That's how good the Kansas City Chiefs have been on early downs. And the dominance does not stop on early downs because even though the Chiefs don't see third and fourth down very often, they are second overall in conversion rate on both downs. So whether it's first, second, third, or fourth down, you are basically in trouble. The Chiefs are essentially a top two offense on every single down the question is how you stop that. And I would say the other question is if the defense can just give them average, top 12 to top 15, the offense is going to take it the rest of the way. We saw that in, in uh, the Super Bowl year. We almost saw it again in the year that ended with the offensive line evaporating. So that's all we need is, is top 12-ish from the defense. Yeah, the defense has come on as the season's gone on. They went through a rough patch. They they rightened the ship. They straightened the ship out. And I think Spagnola is doing a great job. He saved something back for the playoffs. I'm not team fire Spags. I'm team Spags is doing fine. Uh, yep. I think that the, the Chiefs defense will be ready this playoffs. It's like the conversation we've had about Harrison Butker. You're mad at him. I get it. Fine. Who are you going to bring in that's better? Yeah. especially for this team. I, I like the match, uh, the marriage with Spags because you don't you want someone aggressive back there. Patrick Mahomes and the talent of this offense allows you to be a little bit of a mad scientist as a defensive coordinator. They're sitting at something like 17th for EPA, and they were coming from like late 20s at one point. So they've probably been better than that this past six weeks they're right where they need to be. They're peaking at the right time. Let's finish the show with the parting shot. Between 1994 and 2015, the Chiefs had a 21-year playoff drought. The team had an equally long drought between 1970 and 1991. In the Mahomes era, the Chiefs are 8-3 and three in the playoffs. The last five years have turned a tortured fan base into a triumphant one. Yes, the Chiefs are a Super Bowl or bust franchise, more so than any of their rivals. But the book of Mahomes has simply just begun. We're only a few chapters in. So enjoy the postseason. And remember, if things don't break our way, the Chiefs will be back again and again and again and again and again and again. That said, I'm feeling optimi optimistic. How about you, Sterling? Very 
optimistic. Take care of business. On on a scale of one to ten, how how optimistic are we feeling? I'm about a I'm about an eight point six. To make the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl, beat the Jags. Which one are we talking? Win the Super Bowl. Let's just go all the way here. Uh, I will say to win it, I'll go four point three. 8.6 to 4.3. Well, well, let's be real here. Do other teams get get odds too, or is it just the Chiefs? It's 8.9 it's not, out of no, 10. No, <laughs> it's not the odds. It's, 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 my, it's my confidence. I think things are, are breaking right for them, and my biggest fear at this point, not to overlook the AFC, not to even overlook the Jags, who will be feisty on Saturday, but my biggest worry at, at this point is the Philadelphia Eagles, I think. I think they are the other team. And even them, the Jalen Hurts has doesn't look right. Uh, so who are you the most worried about with the Chiefs other than the Chiefs? Last year, uh, no offense to the Bengals, but the Chiefs had that game. They beat themselves in the playoffs. They collapsed. I, I think they learned their lesson, and they've been waiting for a calendar year to right that wrong, and I expect that to happen in the next month. Yeah, I would go with the Jags, the team in front of them. One game at a time. That's the most dangerous team. You and I aren't playing, though. You know, I know fans get upset when we look too far ahead. I'm not a trainer. I'm not a coach. I'm not a water boy. It doesn't matter. I can speculate (laughs) as far down the road as I like. With that said, we will see you guys this weekend. Really looking forward to this playoff action. We've got a lot of content coming out for you. Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs.